Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm your host, Emma Thomas, and our guest this time is Kirsten Miller, New York Times bestselling author of over a dozen young adult titles, including the groundbreaking feminist series Kiki Strike. Kirsten also spent 25 years as a strategist in the ad industry, an experience that inspired several memorable scenes in her first adult novel, The Change, which is published in paperback here in the UK on, I think, the 13th of April, but correct me if I'm wrong. Kirsten lives in Brooklyn, where she's currently working on her next two books. Welcome to the podcast, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So The Change is described on your website as Big Little Lies meets The Witches of Eastwick, a gloriously entertaining and knife-sharp feminist revenge fantasy about three women whose midlife crisis brings unexpected new powers, putting them on a collision course with the evil that lurks in their wealthy beach town. Um, it, did you write that or did your publicist write that? I did not. My editor wrote that. She- she, yeah, she, um, I, it's funny because, you know, you see a lot of jacket copy and um, most of it I, I tend to rewrite because not because it's bad, but because I'm extremely neurotic, but she not, I just, I loved what she wrote. Although I would say, so I, I didn't think of this at the time, but, um, you know, people talk about Big Little Lies and the Witches of Eastwick, which are both great, but I think actually it's real spiritual, you know, ancestor was uh, nine to five. Uh, the movie with Dolly Parton and uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, which I saw when I was a very little kid. And I think it really. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it messed with my head. Anti-heroes. So, in a good way. <laughs> well, as I say, I've just finished, uh, not long finished reading the book anyway. I think, uh, I think from cover to cover, it took me just under a week, though that was, you know, I kind of did it, but binged it in, in, big chunks and um yeah it's definitely as I was getting towards the last oh I don't know fifth of it or so and I, I was I was really like absolutely page turning I was like I kind of I didn't want it to end but equally I, I yeah I was just racing to get to the kind of the denouement and I just wanted to see how it was going to finish because I wasn't wasn't quite sure I hadn't quite figured it all out <laughs> So, but so your your background as you say is ad industry and you've sort of poured some of that uh experience good and bad into mm-hmm. into one of the characters Harriet in sure. the book so I mean they always say don't they write what you know so how much how much of you is is kind of in Harriet or is it more about the sort of the situations that that she finds herself in and we have sort of flashbacks in the book to parts mm-hmm. of her kind of career and the, the sort of the things that have happened to her yeah, I, I, pretty much everything that happens to her in her in the career world is drawn from my personal experience. So it's not I'm not saying everything happened exactly the way that, you know, it happens in the book, but yes, all of that was based on real life experience. So I I had a lot to draw on. There there was some um, I've, you know, I, I'm glad I did that um because I had a lot of issues with the ad industry that I needed to work through and I got it all out of my system <laughs> that was so cathartic now I can move forward in life like therapy but cheaper and you get paid for it instead of the other way around exactly <laughs> I you know revenge revenge is the best motivation for writing a book I really I really honestly recommend it to everyone <laughs> I mean the ad industry is is sort of notorious for it's gendered ageism you know not particularly mm-hmm. deeply buried misogyny 
uh, and so on. And and I think you um, you talked in some of the the publicity for the book about replicating one particular scene, which which was a um, a particular kind of campaign that you resigned over. Are, are you able to kind of to tell us which part of the <laughs> of the novel that aligns with? Yeah, there's um in the in the in one of the chapters where we sort of flash back to Harriet's advertising career, she is presented with an ad that they want to, that the creative people want to take, the creative director wants to take the clients that she feels is, um, is mind bogglingly sexist, which it Mm -hmm. is. And, um, and, and that was, I actually, I, that was an ad that I, was that I had some very public fights over and ended up resigning from an agency rather than than take it forward because I thought it was so fundamentally wrong. Yeah, and it, it was shocking at the time because the the guys who did it I thought were really decent guys. They were you know they were not bad people. They still aren't bad people. I I don't know where they are now, but I'm sure they're lovely. You know, great fathers and everything. And it just it it like I said, boggled my mind and, and broke my heart that they would come up with something that was, was as bad as it was. So I think that's a perfect example of the kind of incident in the book that was drawn. I made very, very, I was very careful to draw from real life whenever I presented something that was an example of misogyny in the work world, misogyny in the, okay, that's my cat. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I drew from real life because I wanted to be able to say, you know, to people who, you know, accused me of making it up that these were based on real life events. I mean, either th- things that had happened to me or to my sister or to women that um, I admire and know. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of, um, not just within the sort of the scenes that take place in, in the ad industry per se, but there are several sort of threads within the book looking at kind of male power versus female power and the kind of the ways and the places in which women are excluded from yes. kind of male conversations or yeah I think notably one of them is a sort of you know a, um, up on the roof at a party where you know literally kind of no women allowed until Harriet steps in and it's almost like you know the music stops and everyone looks around like a meerkat and like why is there a woman in, in this this space? She makes men feel uncomfortable, I think. Is this is kind of transition that she goes through through the narrative where she's kind of becoming this wild, unreally fabulous kind of, you know, slightly you know, someone that, that kind of the, the the nice uptight people of Matok look at a kind of askance and uh you know the kind of the local weirdo but um yeah she's sort of you know bursting out of this cage that society has constructed for her and and people don't like it well that's I mean that's exactly so that's the power of her characters so Harriet is um people haven't read the book she's um she's a woman who has worked in the ad industry and then one day and then her a number of things happen in a very you know short period of time her husband leaves her um, she loses her job um, after being denied a promotion that she rightfully deserved. 
And she sort of vanishes into her house and all her neighbors assume that she's been eaten by cats. <laughs> like, you know, old ladies um, are so prone to, you know, to, to, uh, to do. And um, she hasn't, she's gone inside and she's been undergoing a metamorphosis of sorts. And what's happened to her is that she has spent her entire life seeing things through other people's eyes. So when she was in the ad world, you know, it was very much about not what she thought was right, mm -hmm. even though you know, she's developing advertising that was meant to be for women like her. Didn't matter what her opinion was. It didn't matter her level of expertise. She was told that she had to see everything through the eyes of the, the men that she worked with. And that is very true. That is, <laughs> that is, that is sadly true. Still, still um, now. Oh, absolutely. And I was talking to like a 25 year old girl who just got into advertising and she, sorry, woman, I shouldn't say girl. Um, and she just got into advertising. She's like, it's the same thing. So hopefully it'll change. It hasn't yet. But, you know, so Harriet has made, when she's going, undergoing this metamorphosis, she's decided she's not going to do that anymore. She's going to see the world through her eyes and not through other people's eyes. And it changes everything. And she has, she develops what I think is the one superpower in the book that everybody can, can develop. And that is she's decided that she just doesn't give a damn anymore. And that is an, a place of incredible power. When you can see the world as it truly is through your own eyes and you stop giving a shit what other people think that frees up so many new directions and so many, I mean, it's, and, and that's what happens to her is she becomes this incredibly powerful being just by virtue of being free of all of that. Yeah. It's like the, the kind of the local busybody character comes along because they're concerned about the state of their garden. And she's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> like I care. Yeah. <laughs> So it's my garden. <laughs> yeah, people, I, when I when I speak to people in 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 other parts of the world, they always ask if the homeowners associations in the United States are that bad. And yes, they are. And is is that universal? Is that is that a kind of everything everywhere? Or no, it is. It's something that's been yes. If you live in a in a like a middle class hmm. or upper upper middle class suburb you are more than likely to have an HOA breathing down your back. Um, I, I live in Brooklyn, so nobody's telling me what to do. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's pretty, it's pretty common mm. elsewhere. Let, let's move on then to, to the other two in the trio. So I think, I think maybe if I was going to identify with one, I was identifying with Joe and, and sort of, you know, being able to channel that kind of white hot rage that, that washes over us quite often in perimenopause because mm -hmm. maybe that's that's where I find myself a lot of the time and and yeah that would certainly have uh, have come in handy a few times to have that physical manifestation of <laughs> of that building up inside where where did the the sort of the inspiration for for that come from I, it came from a lot of different places it came from my life it came from watching other women I think you know that that rage is very much a common experience mm. among women of our age and you see so many people talking about it as if it is a it's 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 a symptom of a bigger problem it's something that's not you know it's it's all hormone driven or it's something that's just in your head and i'm like no maybe actually there's a reason mm. for women our age to be really angry yeah. maybe there are a lot of really good reasons 
And maybe we shouldn't be trying to tamp that down. Maybe we should be trying to put that into action, into do something it. with yeah. it. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think it's Heather Karina that talks about this in the book, What Fresh Hell Is This? Um, yeah, you know, that, that a lot of the time we, we have good reason to be furious and we've kind of been keeping the nice girl lid on it all these years while we've been yeah. dutifully... Uh, being good daughters, good mothers, good colleagues. Uh, and it goes hand in hand with what you were saying about, you know, giving giving no shits that suddenly <laughs> all this stuff starts to leak out. Yeah, but it's just, you know, I think so many, even now when I hear people talk about it and they talk about the rage and they talk about the energy and the, the heat that comes with, you know, perimenopause and menopause, you know, it's spoken about as if it's something that we should try to treat or something that we should learn how to deal with, you know, and, and that's a step forward from something that we should be ashamed of. I think we are kind of moving out of mm-hmm. that, but I still hear it talked, spoken about as if it's something that we should treat. And like maybe the best way to you to, to deal with it is to actually use it, to, to focus it and channel it on the things that we believe need to be changed. Where do we need to focus mm-hmm. our attention, whether that's in our work life or kind of relationships and home life Everything. or what we care about in society. Or even as in the book, you know, saving our daughters from the kind of the evildoers that you know, have, have been preying on women for centuries. Mm. You know, I mean, this is like, it's, it, there are ways that we can use it. There are reasons to be mad. I, I would really like to see us, um, you know, doing more with that energy. Yeah. And, and how about Nessa? Because that's, um, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with your, your other work, your, your young adult work. Is, is there a sort of a slightly supernatural thread that runs through some of that, that you kind of felt that you wanted to weave into this one? Oh, I'm, I am, I am extremely witchy. Um, <laughs> naturally I always have been. And yeah, there's, I love, um, you know, people have referred to the book as magical realism, which yeah, I, mean, I can see that. But it's really, I love in all of my writing to to look at the world as a magical place and to keep one foot always very firmly planted in reality. So the locations are real and the settings are real and the, the inspiration is very much real and rooted in the real, you know, in reality. But it's a it's a world where things can happen. Interesting things can happen that may or may not feel a little bit supernatural. So Nessa is her gift is being able to hear the dead. And that's actually something I I stole from. So Nessa is her family is from South Carolina and I am from North Carolina. So I gave her which Believe me, North Carolinians and South Carolinians will be the first to tell you we have nothing in common. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wanted to give her some of my Southern heritage. And in the South, you know, we all, every family will have a certain lore Mm -hmm. that you, you know, ascribe to. And in, in our family, it was always said that the women could see ghosts. So I wanted to take that and put it to use. So I gave it to, to Nessa and her, her ability Her life has gotten so quiet. Her husband has passed away. Her daughters are in college and her everything, her world has just gone so silent that she realizes that she's able to hear things that that she wasn't able to hear before. She can hear the dead speaking to her and calling out to her. Mm -hmm. 
So that's her, her power. And she's at the heart of the whole story. She's the one who gets it started. She's the one who, who leads the other two um, into this adventure where they discover the body of a, a girl who's been dumped on the side of the road and they decide that they are going to, they're not going to accept the, the, the explanation that the, the police have offered and they're going to find out who did it to her and punish, punish them. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of, she's the, she's, I feel like she's the heart of the book. She's the moral compass of the book. And she's also in many ways, the one who pushes everyone else forward. And I think there's also a, a kind of a thread that runs through about um, and and kind of develops as the women kind of step into their power of the the fear of the male characters of those those women and, and kind of indeed sort of you know women of that age in in general and so that I, I feel like the power itself is a very central aspect of the book both the kind of the protagonists mm-hmm. developing their own power but then you know the the kind of the power and influence that that all of these um and I try not to give anything away about the plot but that you know there's sort of the the hierarchy and the sort of the male power that exists around them in the town mm-hmm. and yeah and 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 then as you say that they're also you know, they're giving back the power to, so there's the point where Joe is kind of, you know, trying to empower the younger generation, um, Harriet herself trying to sort of pass on some of her botanical learnings to kind of pass mm-hmm. on bits of her power to to kind of other uh, women within the neighbourhood. So I kind of feel like that is the the thread that is running throughout the, the whole book. Well, I think that that's, so it's sort of a reflection of what's, what I've see happening all around me so our our generation gen x the women of our generation are by far the most powerful generation of women in the history of the world Hmm. no doubt hands down there's no comparison and so we're really in uncharted territory here and i think that we've gotten to the point where we have all of this power and we don't even know that we have it um and we don't know how to use it yet (laughs) Um, and I see this, I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing a lot of backlash to women's rights these days Yeah, is because there are people who can see where this is going. Yeah. They don't like it. (laughs) And they don't like it. If, if we, if we come into our power and we really figure out how to use it and, and how to meet our needs better and we pass that power along onto our daughters and the next generation, think of how unbelievably powerful they're going to be. And, and, you know, it's, that's, I I think the great legacy that we have to offer to the next generation is just saying, you do not have to live by all the rules that your grandmothers did. Mm -hmm. You do not have to, this is a completely different world. You're able to do things and change things and affect things that women were never able to do. Now it's your job to go out and continue the fight and take it, you know, into the places where women are still very much um, discriminated against and, you know, other parts of the world where, where women, you know, really, really do need our help. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I think there's definitely that, uh, 
again sort of mentioned the, the sort of the, the fear factor of uh, the ones that won't stay quietly in the in the little boxes that have been ascribed to them who uh, who are turning around and, and saying not anymore (laughs) yeah I'm just not gonna play those games anymore there's no reason I mean this is you know we've all we all have been told stories about what it's what it means to be a woman of our age and you know one of the first stories that I was told you know probably when I was in my early 20s was just this idea that you're gonna reach a certain point in your life where you disappear and that's an incredibly terrible thing to tell a young woman that she has this limited span of time in which to, you know, to make her mark on the world. And having reached the age at which I'm supposed to disappear and still being very much present, (laughs) you know, I think it's, it's, it's important to, to point out that all of these things that we were told either were never true or certainly are not true today. And we need to stop believing them. We need to stop repeating them. And we absolutely must not pass them on to our daughters and to our nieces and to our, you know, to the next generation. You know, that's, it's bullshit. We don't have to, we don't have to play these games anymore. You know, as a woman, you know, and this is totally different. My mother's generation was, you know, was, you know, they were, they were pushing boundaries, but they were still playing very much in the same, the same game that their mothers had been. But, you know, as a woman today, you don't have to get married if you don't want to. You don't have to have children if you don't want to. You can get the education that you need. You know, the work at your work experience is probably going to be more difficult, you know, for quite some time to come. But at least you can have one. You know, when my mother got out of college, you could be a nurse or a teacher, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And, you know, so this is everything that we have heard, everything that was passed down to us from our grandmothers and our mothers, it doesn't apply to our generation. So stop saying it, you know, stop living it, stop trying to impose it on other people. And, um, you know... I think that would make i think it would be one big step towards making the world a much better place yeah we want more kick-ass role models into their 50s yes. 60s 70s not the kind of the cozy tv detectives of uh you know <laughs> murder she wrote although you know great great program but you know if that's the only uh kind of older lady role model that i had a i have a friend who's i think his father um, used to say that that Jessica Fletcher, the main character, was the most successful serial killer of all time <laughs> because she would she would go in to some new town, she would murder somebody, and then she would pretend to investigate it, <laughs> and nobody would ever suspect <laughs> a nice little old lady. <laughs> but she'd pin the crime on somebody else. She was a master genius. <laughs> somebody ought to write that book. Let's just talk talk about uh, delve into the kind of the general conversations around menopause and and maybe some of the differences because mm-hmm. you're based in the US, I'm based in the UK. I think we're probably quite a lot further along in terms of the kind of the yes. conversations and things that are happening in the workplace. There are, you know, certainly even since since the sort of the hardback version of your book came out, a, a lot more people in the US. Mm-hmm 
talking about this more vocally, people like Naomi Watts, uh, for example. But I sense that that sort of gendered ageism pressure on women is much greater in the US perhaps than it is here in the UK. Well, I can't compare because I haven't lived in the UK. Although I, I will tell you that having, I did for a long period of time work quite um, a lot out of um, the London office of an ad agency. And it was, it was an infinitely better experience um, than working out of New York as a woman. I felt it, that could be an isolated incident. Uh, and the Dutch are always lovely <laughs> to work with. I love the Dutch. I think, yes, you guys are very, you're, you're much farther ahead than we are. It's, it's just, a, it's a discussion that is just now um, coming to, you know, you're seeing it in the papers, you're seeing it, you know, in the, the word come up in places you never would have seen it come up before. It's, it's, there was almost no discussion of it at all until maybe about two years ago. And you're starting to hear more and more. And there are people who are really pushing it, like Naomi Watts, who's doing a great job. And there's another, there's a, a woman named Stacey London, who's a sort of fashion person, who actually lives somewhere in my neighborhood. And I keep hoping to see her. But um, <laughs> To engineer a way to <laughs> accidentally bump into her. I, I will stalk you, Stacey London. You know, it's, it's, I'm hoping it's, it's something that will be, you know, will be more of a topic of conversation in the years to come. If I'm leading that charge, I am very happy to do it. I was going to ask you if, if you if um, you feel like your book, The Change, has opened up some of those conversations. Have you had some interesting kind of conversations? Yes, I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's opened up a lot of things that it's not just menopause. It's I think a lot of conversations that women have not been having. I can I hear a lot of obviously I get a lot of feedback about how. Wonderful it is to see women sort of coming into their power mm. at this age, as they should. You know, this this should be the most powerful time in a woman's life. I, I believe that. I'm not selling some, you know, fake <laughs> oil. Just that's, get in the game. That's something <laughs> I truly, truly believe in. But other things, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff from, you know, talked a lot about employment issues with women, particularly women finding themselves pushed out of jobs. Mm. Um, at a certain age. And that age is not always 50, by the way. That age can be much, much younger. So, you know, any younger listeners should have that on their radar as well. And also just menstruation issues. We do not talk about that stuff. You guys are much better. And the Aussies are even better than you are. Because I used to work on like period products when I was in advertising. Like, and I was always in awe of what you could get away with in Australia. I'm like, Moved what? away from the blue colored water. <laughs> Very yeah, exactly. They were, they were real, they were, um, they were pioneers, you know, just the things that one's body goes through in kind of, you know, between your, you know, late thirties and your early fifties, nobody was talking about that. Nobody that I, you know, and, and even people that I know when the conversation was brought up, you know, these were things that you talked about in a hushed voice and, that's another thing that I think we really need to change. We need to start talking about women's bodies. We need to start doing it openly and without any shame or hesitation. And I see that that's one of the things that when I look at my, I have a 14 year old daughter and when I look at her generation and how fearless 
she is, and I'm not saying that's everywhere. There's certainly places where girls aren't able to talk so freely. But she and her friends, they don't find it. There's no stigma around it the way that there was when I was growing up. Mm. You know, when I was 14, you know, the idea that a boy would know that you had your period or see, you know, like a tampon or a pad in your in your in your purse, I would have been mortified. They could not care less. Some of these, and I love that for them. And we need to bring that to all stages of a woman's life because it's it's dangerous not to. You know, I think a lot of women are going through a lot of things physically and emotionally that they aren't prepared for because nobody ever tells them to be prepared for it. And it can be scary as hell if you have a really, really heavy, like perimenopause mm. period and you don't know what's causing it. Yeah. Or the brain fog that, you know, hear that all the time that people are terrified yes. that have early onset dementia or, you know, yes, or the, yes, the kind of yes. the anxiety and the depression, you know, suddenly out of, out of nowhere, you know, it's like, what, what, what is wrong with me? Yeah. And it's just, you know, it, once you know that this is temporary mm. and, you know, it's, it's a wave that you have to ride it gets a lot easier to, you know, you know, there's going to be a beginning and an end to it instead of, oh my God, I'm now completely insane. And you know, I'm going to be homicidal for the rest of my life, but we need to have those conversations and you guys are, are much better at them right now than we are. So talking about, um, you mentioned your, your daughter, how do you write your young adult fiction for kind of with her in mind, her and her peer group? You know, I don't, I don't, so I'm, I'm moved on from young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yes, a lot of it. I mean, I think, especially my first series and this, they, it was written before she was born, but I wrote a series called Kiki Strike, which was, um, which I, I still hear from people who read it, you know, 15 years ago, that it was kind of their first feminist handbook. And that was what it's wonderful to hear because that's exactly how, what I intended it to be. And I did that with my own daughter, you know, future daughters in mind, you know, what was the book that you could have given a girl at 12 that would keep, that would encourage her to keep all of that moxie. And we hear about that just kind of dissipating around 10, 11, 12, that, suddenly exactly yeah, go to secondary school so I wanted to write a series of books that were like a shot in the arm an inoculation that would that would help girls avoid whatever it is that makes them lose that mm. and um, I'm gonna seek them out because I have a, a feisty <laughs> almost 10 year old who will will be just perfect for they are they are insane <laughs> but I, I love them I, I'm, I'm very proud of them and tell us a little bit about what you're working on next now I'm juggling two projects right now and the first project was I was writing a sort of a follow-up to the change it's not a sequel Mm -hmm. um, but it's sort of set in the same universe so it's actually set in the same town but the characters are different it focuses on a family that has lived in a particular spot for you know 150 years and you will see characters from the change sort of flit through, but it's not about Harriet and Joe and Nessa. It's about these two other women and their family. And it's really about the things that we pass down from generation to generation and the sort of, you know, the the 
sort of the magical things that get passed down, the not so magical <laughs> things that get passed down and, you know, how we are basically, we're, we're an amalgam of our ancestors mm -hmm. and how important that is to sort of look back and acknowledge where we, we you know, we got the things that make us special. Um, it's a really lovely, bit. It's, it's also, you know, there's a lot of murder in it as well. <laughs> So it's a really touching story about families who murder people. I mean, I've been tempted to murder some of mine a few times, so. <laughs> we don't murder each other. We murder other people. Is, is, are you kind of envisaging a whole series now that you've kind of, you've almost, you've got the whole neighborhood up here? Yeah. I just, I love it. So one of the, you know, when you write a, when you write a book, I mean, the hardest part is obviously world building. Hmm. How does this world function what are their rules how do women come to have these special powers blah 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 and so once you have that set up and you have a set of characters and you have a place it's really really wonderful to sort of play with it you know it's like creating a it's like it's like um uh, minecraft and then you go in and you you know you play you play with you beat people up instead it's fun so I was, I've been working on that and um, another project just sort of uh, fell into my lap and it was something I got really, really excited about that um, I couldn't stop working on. So I traded places and I'm going to finish that one first and the other one second. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they'll both, I'm doing them both this year and it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. I'm really into it. Good. Writing is always fun. <laughs> I take my hat off to anyone who writes a book because I I do not have the the discipline to sit down and write every day. I have tried and failed. Yeah, I mean that's it's really that's you know people think people assume that it's talent, but it's you know talent plays a fairly small role. You know you you got to have the 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 butt power to <laughs> sit on your butt for hours and hours on end and, and get it done. Well, I shall very much look forward to, to reading the follow-up. I think, yeah, this was probably, aside from the Midnight Library, this is this is the, the fiction work that I have just read through at, at intense speed in the last couple of years. So, um, Oh, that's good. I just read Midnight Library as well. I liked it very much. I think I read it almost in one sitting. I was just like... It's a much shorter book. Yes, yes, this it's is true. Shorter. So... <laughs> You could probably you could probably put three of those books in my book. So I call that some people call that annoying. I call it morbid. <laughs> exactly. I, I started reading this. Uh, I was taking my kids to swim class, and and it was so good. And I was my daughter was sitting next to me trying to talk to me. I'm like just like you know pushing her out of the way. But like I'm I'm, I'm busy. I'm reading. What is it? Is it important? When you neglect your children, that's when you know you have a good book. <laughs> totally invested. Uh, Kirsten, thank you so much for your time. Um, very much thank looking you. forward to, to reading the follow-up. Uh, the Change is out in paperback very soon. If you haven't already read it, please do go and get it. I'm not going to say it's going to change your life, but um, yeah, the three absolutely fantastic role models for, for those of us going into to that period of our lives and um, the best period, the best period <laughs> of yeah power uh, so yeah find find your superpower if you're listening and um, yeah go after it with everything you have Kirsten thanks again thank you
You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.